Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. I'm Liz Gill. I'm with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified. And we're joined by Q Moore from OnQ Customs. Hello, Allison. Happy New Year. Hey, Allison. I mean, sorry. Hey, Liz and Q. Um, happy New Year to y'all. It's, uh, I'm doing good. Happy New Year. Hey, Q. We're so glad you could join us this morning. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here. Today is going to be an open topic show. We're going to chit chat about some news stories between your calls and emails, but we would love to hear from you. Allison, you have been extra busy in the shop. I've seen you sharing photos and videos of what you're working on. Well, I've been working on a Hyundai Genesis RS Turbo 2.0 liter. Uh, so it's a little sports car that Hyundai made, and not Honda, but Hyundai. And it had an overheating issue that we couldn't quite figure out. And as a one of the last things you can do is do a head gasket job on it because maybe it has a minute leak there. And so that's what I've been working on, and that's been quite an undertaking for me. Um, it's a it's a lot of work on this little car. You think it would be easy because it's a rear wheel drive four cylinder, but it actually has a lot of components that had to be taken off of the head to get to the head gasket itself, which is just a thin piece of metal. And and uh, so it's a lot of work. In addition to that, I've been working on my race car, and you've seen some pictures on Facebook and Instagram from that. Um, that's where we we finally put on the clutch, clutch plate, flywheel, pressure plate, and put the transmission and attached it to the engine. And so that's been awesome. So now it's a matter of time of getting it in the car. And uh, so I've been really busy with, with all this. It's, it's been a lot of work. Uh, Allison, you had those photos of the installation of the clutch, flywheel, pressure plate, and new belt, but... You know, that's that's nothing I know about. Is that putting in a clutch? Is that any kind of a DIY or do you really have to be at a uh, mechanic's garage to put that in? Well, you can you can do it in the driveway and, and drop a, a transmission and put it in. People do it all the time on the cars because the clutch is a wear item on cars and it's something that has to be replaced regularly and especially if you drive your car hard or if your car has a lot of horsepower it can eat up clutches quickly so that's something that anyone can do and um you know you can watch a video on youtube and do that and um you know people do it like i said in their driveway or carport or garage all the time so you don't have to have a lift but it of course it helps to have a lift to do that for sure now, Q, Allison posted a video. She was kind of jamming out to uh, some <laughs> humongous speaker in a trunk. Uh, was that part of your doing? Uh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was like a 215 um, shed with like a 4,000 watt amp on it. Yeah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, think it's a, I know. I didn't know if I should get to speaker to me was was it huge or is that kind of 
average for people who do want to enhance their uh, listening pleasure in their cars? Um, <laughs> no, that is definitely oversized. Actually, in something like that, I would recommend going with probably uh, size down from 15s in a car that size because you don't have enough airspace. You know, that's more for look. <laughs> okay. Well, we would love to have folks join us this, today. Our email address for questions is auto at mpbonline.org. Allison, one of the photos that you had posted on social media, it looked like you pressure washed something. Uh, what was that? That was the transmission. It was really grimy and really had a lot of buildup on it. Of, um, oh, I forget what he called it, Some um, something like oxidation or something like that on it. And um, so we sprayed some solution of like um, like a soap solution on there and let it soak down and then pressure washed it off with hot water, really hot, steamy water. It was uh, I was soaking wet by the time I was done. It was a mess. <laughs> Allison, you've been again. a big you've been a big proponent of making sure someone sends their vehicle to a specialist if it's needed, a transmission person or an electrical person. Do when someone brings your car into you, say at at the automotive group where you and Q work from you know have a bay from time to time do you then sometimes have to outsource things you know did you have to take that transmission somewhere to get it pressure washed no i did that myself but if i had had the transmission rebuilt i've never rebuilt the transmission i i probably would have sought out a specialist for that um because you have to have um a press to press off everything, but um, now that I'm out of shop, we we have a we have a press. We could use a better one, but um, yeah, I might would have attempted to try to do that myself. But from what I understand, building and rebuilding a, a manual transmission is a little bit of an undertaking, and mainly because you need a bearing press to press it, press off the gears and that sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, that's a little bit of an undertaking compared to an automatic transmission, which is a little easier from what I understand. Q, you work with a lot of fabrics and interiors. Tell us, what are the styles for 2021 going to be? Is there any? Do y'all have any kind of projections or what's going to be hot? Do y'all look to what you've seen in movies or how uh, how do people decide what's hot for interiors? Well, it's, it's really hard to say on that. Depend A lot of times people go with like the newer car colors that come out, like if the burnt orange or the dark browns or the, the uh, King Ranch colors. Uh, brown is always one of the top ones, but... A lot of cars, in my personal opinion, black is always the best way to go because it can go with anything. And you can change the color on the outside of your car to 
you know, it doesn't matter. It's still going to coincide with uh, what you have on the outside and the inside. If you go with black. But a lot of people like brown. That is one of the biggest colors I get is brown, peanut butter. That's what you hear a lot of because it also sits well so much. <laughs> I've gone to pick out a couch before, and they always have little swatches that you can look and touch and feel. Do you have that kind of thing, or is most everything now digital and people look at things online and pick colors? Oh, no. I have a, a variety of swatches you can pick from. I have a lot of different colors, a lot of different style materials from ostrich, alligator, you know, you, um, you know, true leather. It, it all depends on you, the feel of what you're looking for and how much you, how, how um, long you want it to last as well. I always recommend people to go with a better material because it'll go, it'll last longer, even though it might be twice as high. <laughs> Yeah, the cars now, you know, it used to, back in the day, it used to be a, a four-year-old car was, you know, kind of old. And now they're lasting, you know, 10 years and more. Oh, well, you mean the uh, the cars now in general? The, the yeah, the cars. You would want to go with a good interior to keep up with how long the cars are lasting. Oh, yes. And, and it all depends on the car as well, you know. But, yes, a lot of the cars, the better made cars, they do last for a long time, you know. But they still don't have anything on the older cars, though. You know, a 76 model car can have the same motor in it in 2010, 2020. It'll, it'll, it'll outlast the cars nowadays, though. But now, yeah, the, the better cars, BMW, you know, luxury cars, they'll last a bit, a good time. So you do want to go with a better material because it will crack on you. And I say in about five years, if you get like a, a cheaper material, it'll be about five years. But if you buy something out, the factory uh, material could even uh, last less than that. They use the cheapest. A lot of times they use a lot of cheap thing, uh, materials. I hate to say it, but they do. <laughs> Send your emails to auto at mpbonline.org. We are taking your calls today in your emails. We call it an open topic show. Is your car under recall? We've got a list of ones that are. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns.
You're listening to AutoCorrect with Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic. Q Moore, mechanic, is here with us also. I'm Liz Gill. If you want even more AutoCorrect, find our podcast. It's on all podcasting platforms for your smart device. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11. Here are the recalls for the past couple of weeks. Lots of uh, great big recalls. Seatbelt issues prompts recalls of 624,000 GM vehicles. Now, I'm going to read the list. It's the 2019 through 21 Chevrolet Silverado 1500 in GMC Sierra 1500 pickup trucks. Model year 2021 Chevrolet Suburban and Tahoe SUVs and GMC Yukon XL SUVs, model year 2021, 20-21 Chevrolet Silverado 2,500 and 3,500 pickup trucks, and GMC Sierra 2,500 and 3,500 pickup trucks. There's a problem with the seatbelt, folks, and the recall is estimated to begin February 1st. We'll have the phone calls numbers for that on our podcast then uh, another one and this one sounds awful it's 300 no i'm sorry 213 recalls over a broken toe fractures that can happen in the back seat of 2010 through 13 buick lacrosses 2012 through 13 buick regals and 2013 Chevrolet Malibu sedans. You can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website. That's nhtsa.gov slash recall and inputting your VIN number or you can use their Safer Car app. And we're taking your vehicle repair questions today. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. Hugh and Allison, we have got tons of calls to get to. Let's start off with Douglas in Memphis. Douglas, thanks so much for calling in to AutoCorrect today. What's your comment or question? Thanks for taking my call. Um, My question is, uh, back at the end of the summer, my wife was telling me that the air conditioning uh, stop working. Um, we decided not to fix it because it was near the end of summer. But now um, we go to turn the heat on, and it comes on, and it goes right back off. So it wasn't a problem with Freon. It's something else going on with the with the car because the air wasn't working. Now the heat isn't working. Well, Allison? those are actually two different systems. Um, except for the flaps that control the air movement in the dash. So maybe what's happening is you're having one of your flaps that control where the air goes, and uh-huh. if it's running across the heater core and blowing out or not, is is opening, but for some reason it's closing back up and it's thinking it's telling to. That can actually be the switch itself or okay. the solenoid that... Um, move the little vent door so 
something separate is going on beside that. Q, does that sound right to you? Yes, it does. And now, what year model is this, your car again? It's a 2000 Park Avenue. 2000 Park Avenue. And do you have a digital? Is all is it all digital on your um, yes. control? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. It, it could be um, that what, what Allison was uh, going across, or it could be in the control unit itself. Because if it's okay. digital, it could have a short in it, it inside that unit that is completely cutting it off every time you cut it back on. Maybe it has a short and it knows it. And so it's cutting everything back off because you said you can hear the fan um, for a small period of time when you turn it on and it cuts it off. Right, right. It comes on for a few seconds and then it just shuts right back off. Yes, that's going to be more or less like a it's going to be more like a module in a system like that, because the the system, what it's doing is it's not recognizing that it needs to stay on for some reason and it's cutting itself right back off. So, you know, it could, you know, I would I would we would have to look and see how many modules control that unit, but it could be the unit or an independent um what they call a CAN system, where they have a system on every module now of the mm -hmm. car, and it could be the secondary system on that that's shutting down and causing a problem. Okay. Okay. Okay, Good that's luck, all Douglas. I have. We hope uh, that helped you. We're going to move on to Bahalia now and talk with Anthony. Anthony, thank you so much for calling in to AutoCorrect. What is your comment or question for Allison and Q? Well, thank you, first of all, for taking my call. I was actually calling. I have a gauge system problem. When I come to a stop in the car, the gauge light comes on. Is that an indicator that I need a battery, or is it something else going on? Um, I'll let you handle this one because I'm I'm not real sure. Now, when you say the gauge is the gauge light, which light is coming on? Yes, it says check gauges. The check engine light only comes on when you come yes. to a, a stop. Not check engine, check gauges. Okay. Now, normally when the check gauge light comes on, it's just saying that something on your gauge is malfunctioning and you need to take a look at it. Now, you should it should be either the oil pressure light is going down, the uh, battery light is going down, or the temperature light is going down. Something is, is acting a little bit erratic. And I would say if you start slowing down, it would probably be your battery gauge, I would assume, that would be trying to go down, or the engine oil light. The engine oil gauge. One of the two, I would assume, would be acting erratic to try to uh, prompt you to take a look at it to say to see if something's going on. Have you noticed any erraticness in the uh, in the gauges on the instrument panel? Well, no, they're like needle gauges now. They're not those uh, like, uh, computer type gauges, and you can see them. They go down and they go back up to where they are supposed to be, but. It's nothing strange. It, it's just sometime that light will come on, and sometime it does not come on. Okay, if the light is coming on and it's showing no no change on your instrument cluster, either you have a short in the instrument cluster saying something is going on with the cluster, because that's what that light is for. It only comes on to let you know something is erratic somewhere 
in the vehicle and and either it's having a misread somewhere in it and it, it can get a bit complex because some are ran through the PCM of the car and it could be reading from the PCM and not the instrument cluster gauge itself. Okay, so it might not be the batteries. Right. Okay, because I was thinking it might be the battery. I don't know. I mean, it, it normally have a battery gauge and it should come up. Um, how, your needle gauge on your batteries is saying it's, it's uh, putting out 14 volts. Uh, yes, it says 16. That's 16? Yes. Okay, what what year is this again? What year model? It's a 1990 Corvette. 1990 Corvette. Now, I would really have to see to make sure that the 16 volts is what that car uh, is supposed to put out on the amperage of the uh, alternator. Because that could be over, it could the regulator on the alternator could be going out and putting too much voltage to the um, to the battery, and that could be showing. That's what could be why it's coming up saying, "Look at your gauges." Normally, they put out about 15, 14 to fifteen volts max. Sixteen is a little high, unless that particular model calls for sixteen volts to be pushed to your battery. Okay, so so I need to have the gauges properly checked. Yes. Okay. Is there anybody you'd recommend? Well, excuse me? Is there anybody you'd recommend in the area? Uh, Jackson area to check your battery? No, 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 no. I'm in, I'm in the Olive Branch by Elia area. Oh, I'm not sure about that area. I'm not sure about, um, maybe Allison, do you have any recommendations in that area he's in? No, I, I don't know anyone in that area, but I do recommend him find an automotive electrical shop if, if he's looking for one uh, for a shop to work on it. There's usually in each little town, there's at least one automotive electrical shop for the area, and so that's what I would look for. Good luck with that, Anthony. We hope you get some help. Allison. This is the new thing for me, a check gauge light, and what the heck is a PCM? <laughs> PCM is a power control module. It's like the ECM engine control module. Um, so now they have modules with different names. They have body control module, BCM, and I bet Q knows of a lot more different ones. And like they, like he was saying, they run on a CAN bus system. And CAN stands for, um, I don't remember what CAN stands for, actually, but it's uh, its like a network of computers in your car. Yeah, well, it's I'm like so glad I don't have to be a mechanic to drive my car to the Kroger. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, somewhere in Mississippi, we're going to talk with Dwayne, who's called in this morning. Dwayne, thank you so much for being a part of AutoCorrect today. What is your comment or question for Q and Allison? Uh, thank you for taking my call. I got a question. Uh, I have a 2013 GMC Acadia. And over about the last six months, every time you run it through a car wash, the air conditioner stops cooling. And it takes it a while to ever start cooling back. It's like... Uh, 
you know, something's getting wet and uh, you still have the air on AC and it won't cool until you get on 10 miles on down the road, then it'll start cooling. But it only happens whenever you go through a car wash. Any suggestions? Honestly, I've never heard of a, a problem like that before. Um, Q, have you heard of anything like that before or have some insight into this? I, I have not. The only thing I can do is speculate on this one. I have not seen that or heard of that problem. Only thing I can speculate is the rain is getting on. Um, you have also an outside sensor. And and then in that outside sensor, the only thing I can say it could be affecting the outside, the sensor on the motor. But you have to have something leaking coming inside the, the um up under the hood and it could be and it has to be affecting it that way um i have to look up your system to see what it could be affecting to make it do that okay like i say it only started about six months ago and like i say every time now you go through a car wash uh you know it, the, the ac will not blow cold until it something other dries out and i just didn't know where to start looking at uh, start with all the eight. The, you have a few connections that go to the um, the sensors that cut the AC on, and you will probably first want to make sure that when you turn the AC, see if it's um, your your clutch is engaging. You will see it or you will hear it come on and engage. Now, if that doesn't happen, that sensor it will be the first one I will look at that is on the uh, compressor itself. Okay, and I got one more question, too. Uh, service airbag. And I looked online to, at forms, and they said maybe a connection under the seat. But uh, do have y'all run into that before on Arcadia? Um, not on Arcadian, but I do a lot of postery, and that is one of uh, – I run into that a lot because – when I take the seats out and put them back in, sometimes it can be a pinched wire or uh, or an airbag that goes bad in the seat. Um, so it, you have to get a, you know, I recommend with a um, like a, a machine you have to put on it to and it'll trace down where the where the brake is in the car. Right. So by you doing it manually, it could take too long and you or you'll never find it. So you'd want to put it on the computer on the scan tool. Yes. Okay. Yes, and it's, yes, let the scan tool do the work for you, because that would take forever to find out where the airbag could be. If it's a bad, if you have a problem with the airbag or a problem with one of the wires being broken or a pin being bent somewhere, you need to yeah, you need the scan tool to give you more of an idea where to look. Okay. Okay. Okay, guys. I appreciate it. Y'all have a y'all have a great new year. Now you too. Our email address where you can send a question is auto at mpbonline.org. What have you got for us today, folks? We're just taking your questions and having a little chat. What's an unreliable car not to buy? That's next. Here's a cartoon for your drive. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio.
Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, is our expert. Mechanic Q Moore is here with us today, and I'm Liz Gill. We hope that you have downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to our show on the MPB Public Media app, you can click on the support button and make a contribution. Contributions really help keep our programs on the air for you and for others to enjoy. So thank you for your contributions to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 with a replay Saturdays at 11. Now, Consumer Reports gave the label never buy to 30 used cars. Today, we're going to caution you about the Chevrolet Cruze. Consumer Reports found models from 2011 to 2013 completely unacceptable. Those are some strong words. Engine cooling, transmission, climate control, and general body integrity doomed these models. So please consider reading up on the reliability of this car before purchasing it as a used car. Suggest Consumer Reports. Carcomplaints.com is another resource for unreliable car lists. Allison talks about that quite frequently on the show. But if you're interested in reviews of new cars, Casey Williams has as on YouTube as Auto Casey, and his review this week is on the 2021 GMC Yukon AT4. It's an open topic show today. Email us questions anytime, auto at mpbonline.org. We've got a couple of calls ready. Let's go to Roy in Utica, who's been holding patiently. Thanks, Roy. What's your comment or question for Allison and Q? Yes, good morning, and I enjoy you all show every week. Uh, my question, I have two. Uh, one, I have a 2003 Chevy Silverado, very low miles, about 50,000 miles on it, bought it new, and my horn has stopped working. I've taken it to one shop, and they couldn't find the problem. So is there any suggestion? Um, yeah, have you checked the fuse on it? I have. I had it in the shop, and they, at one shop, and they couldn't find the problem. Okay. You have to probably check down a, a short on there is what I'm thinking, or maybe the switch itself has gone out in the steering wheel. Um, on that, so that's just something you have to check out and and look at. And, um, yeah, the the power to the horn. That's one thing you can check and see and see if it's the horn itself has gone well, out. Yes, on the alarm though, uh, I can hit the panic button on my key uh, sensor, and it blows. But when I try to when I try to use it, just the horn. It don't blow. Okay. It may be a, the switch within the steering wheel itself has, has gone out. That works on, if I'm correct, Q, isn't that on the clock switch, on the clock spring? Yes, on most they are on the clock spring, and it's made through, it goes through uh, the negative feed on it. And by, you know, how you're explaining it, it sounds like it's going to be in, in the steering wheel, like Allison said. 
um, because that is where the the negative feed hits, and you have a you have a, a wire that goes to the clock spring, and it stays at a positive you know positive. I mean, a negative feed. And when you mash it, it just closed the loop. So um, that one seems to be should have seemed to be more of an easier fix to me because since the alarm goes, it's showing that it's most likely in the steering column. I put ninety percent on that. Yeah, I do okay. too. Which okay. is which can be a DIY thing. You can you can you can replace the clock spring yourself by follow a video on YouTube or whatnot and um and it, it you sometimes you have to use a steering wheel puller to get the steering wheel off of there. Sometimes you don't and and change that spring out. Okay. It's actually okay. a round. It's called a clock spring. It's round, and it goes around your steering wheel column mm-hmm. uh, okay. under the under the airbag and and your switch for your horn. No, I hate doing it by airbag. <laughs> okay. Exactly. <laughs> if you disconnected the negative battery cable and let it sit for a certain amount of time, um, you know, thirty minutes or use it less than that, but 30 minutes just to be careful, then you should be safe with not setting off that um, airbag. Okay, okay. Now, the next question I have, I have a 2001 Cadillac, and I lost the key to it. Okay, I went went back to the factory. I got a new key, but I'm having problem programming the key. Um, Is DIY... Uh, give information on reprogramming a key. No, um, we had a key specialist come on the show one time, and so you and he's a locksmith, and he can program the key. So you're probably going to have to call a locksmith to try to reprogram it again and see if you can get it to work. Okay. Yes, that's almost the only option with that to get it reprogrammed at a shop or a locksmith. Yeah. Right, and I and I was surprised to hear that he could program keys like that, but he can, same as a shop or a dealership. Okay, okay. Well, he can come out, so that'll work. But I do yeah. appreciate it, and uh, you all have a happy new year. You do the same. And you do the same. Thank Thanks, you. Roy. We appreciate you calling in. We're going to go up to Jackson now and speak with Glenda. Glenda, thanks so much for hanging on and for calling into AutoCorrect. What's your comment or question for Allison and Q? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I would like to buy a reliable new car, either 2020 or 2021. Each time I've decided on what to buy, I hear of a recall or complaint. I have gone to uh, carcomplaint.com and not found any car or SUV that doesn't have a complaint. If you were going to buy a 2020 or 2021 mid-size car or SUV, what would you buy? Um, well, really, I, I'll have to say I'm, I'm a little bit biased towards Toyota and Lexus and uh, Honda. Also, the, the Honda CRV has really good reviews. But you're, you're probably not going to find a car that doesn't have any kind of complaint or no problem whatsoever. They are man-made, and they, and they do have different problems. The thing is, is you want to find one that has minor problems and not major problems like engine transmission, electrical. Um, right. 
that's what you're looking for. It, and like I said, it's, it's you're gonna you'll be hard pressed to find one that doesn't have any complaint whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But um, I do tend to kind of like to stick to the Japanese cars. And I actually, on top of that, I like to get ones that have a JVN, which means they're actually made in Japan. They seem to have even better build quality to them than ones made in America or Canada or Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's an extra little tip to, to give you there. And um, But any all cars have something that's going to mess up on them. Uh, there are very few that have no problem whatsoever. So. But um, okay. but if you if you stick to the Japanese cars, you tend to have a good luck with those. And um, unfortunately, the American cars aren't quite as reliable. But they they do have some reliable vehicles. They just seem to be spread out a little bit more and a little bit harder to find. Okay. What what do you think about the Mazda, the Subaru, the Hyundai? Um, those, those brands of cars, I, okay. I've heard well, they're the, not as good. The Mazda and Subaru are Japanese-made vehicles, and yeah. they um, tend to be pretty good vehicles, especially these later ones. Um, they tend to be very, very, very good vehicles. Um, but the Hyundai is a Korean-made car. It's not Japanese. Okay. And I had a Korean fella, me and him talked about the cars made in Korea, and he said there's just not enough competition for them to push to make better cars there. And now that they've entered the world market more, they are making better cars, but I feel I haven't been able to really fall in love with the design of them yet. We we talk about them at the shop, and we're kind of, we kind of don't like the way they engineer them to build their vehicles, so I'm still not real excited about Hyundai um, cars yet. Okay. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for the information. Thank you, Glenda. We appreciate oh, you, you calling in. We're taking your repair questions. You can always send us an email to our address, auto at mpbonline.org. What's in the news? I'm going to tell you next. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our live program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, autocorrect.mpbonline.org. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio, Thursdays at 10, with a replay Saturday at 11. I'm Liz Gill. I'm with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified. We've also got mechanic Q Moore with us, too. Uh, now, what's in the news? Uh, the, the world has just changed in the car world. Uh, Fiat Chrysler and Peugeot shareholders voted to merge, creating the world's fourth largest car maker. The new company, Stellantis, 
So y'all, everybody practice saying Stellantis. Well, house brands such as Jeep, Ram, Dodge, Maserati, Alfa Romeo, Fiat, Chrysler, Peugeot, Citroen, DS, Opel, and Vauxhall. What do you think about that, Allison? Um, gosh, that sounds like a lot of concerts being made under one roof. Um, I just hope it works out, and they're making their they're they're having integrity and in making good cars. And I hope the the merger will will make them uh, keep that in mind and not cut corners too much. Well, they think that the merger will help Stellantis accelerate development of the electric and autonomous vehicles expected to transform the auto industry over the coming decade. Hugh, what do you think about electric and autonomous vehicles? Uh, I, to be honest, they, they are the future. You know, I am... I'm definitely an old school person, but the new the the technology they're doing with these newer cars, the electrical cars, are amazing, and they are you know they're they're actually now starting to outrun the gas um, operated car vehicles by far. We've got some house cleaning to do during the hour. We've had an email come in. Uh, Y'all remember we had that call from Dwayne about his 13 GMC Acadia with the air conditioner stops in the car wash? Well, Jim emailed and he said the accessory belt is getting wet and slipping after the car wash. He needs to tighten the belt. Uh, Allison, what do you think about that? Um, my, that, that could be happening. It's possible. It seemed like it would squeal, though, if it was slipping. But um, that's something that he could check out and see. But like Q said, you'd have to look at the compressor and see if the clutch is engaging and then see if it's turning when it's getting wet, if there is water getting up under there. Um, I had a situation where the belt was slipping off the car when it got wet. Um, which is a problem on the on my Dodge Grand Caravan, and it has a whole new belt system that you can put on it to prevent that from happening. So if that's a common problem, they may have a, um, an upgrade on the belt system to keep that from happening. So that's a, that's a possibility. If okay. it hasn't, go ahead, Q. Oh, if you know, most of the vehicles now don't have an adjustment though to tighten that belt. It's a serpentine on a tension. So I don't know about tightening it. Some do, but most don't nowadays. Okay, here's another thing in the news. Uh, Y'all tell me if this is something or it's nothing. Uh, a ratcheting serpentine belt tool that makes changing belts easier is this something or is this nothing oh yeah that sounds Allison. awesome <laughs> i'd love any extra tool that makes things easier is uh is something i'm all for oh yeah yeah we're two fanatics <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah speaking of tools allison you had some kind of uh uh milwaukee uh what was it? It was like a, a socket tool that you were playing with online? 
Yeah, I've got it for my birthday. I've been wanting one for forever. So it's a stand-up wireless, brushless, uh, three-eighths drive Milwaukee fuel line uh, impact. And I've been using it tons, and uh, it's just it's a real it's a wonderful tool to have. You can get in smaller spaces with it than one that's held like a gun, and uh, so I've been using the heck out of it. I love it. Yeah, she won't let nobody touch it. Yeah. Keep put your name on your tool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a caller call in who couldn't stay on the line. I don't know if this is in either of y'all's wheelhouse, but I'll ask it. The caller was looking for a Class B motor home. What's a better engine, diesel or gas? And I think... Uh, a Class B is, I guess that if it's got an engine, I guess that's one that you drive. Mm -hmm. I think he, he, they're talking about like the medium size one where it's attached to a a van style front, I believe is what they're talking about. Because um, I have a customer that has a V10 powered Ford RV unit. And that's a gas engine, and, and they never call me with the problem. We're going to do oil changes on it. So I'm assuming that that's a pretty good engine. But usually you go with diesel for, for having a, a haul or something heavy. And um, so the Cummins diesel engine that that is put into a lot of things is a good engine. But I'm not familiar with all the diesels that different RVs have in them. But they're, they're usually pretty reliable. If you see them on the road so much, you, you don't see them on the side of the road much. So they would have to do a little more research to decide which engine they want. But um, they they have some powerful engines pulling those RVs, and they tend to be pretty reliable. And, and they rack up miles, so, you know, they have to be able to handle that. So they're usually pretty good engines. So if if they went with gas or diesel, they, they probably are going to be okay. Q, thank you so much for being with us today. Happy New Year, Q. No problem. Happy New Year as well. Oh, Allison, this has been a hoot. That's going to wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. Our call screener has been Jay White. Joppa Chapman, man, he's the man who can do anything. He is awesome. For Allison Walker, who you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as The Lady Auto Mechanic. I'm Liz Gill. Hey, don't forget, AutoCorrect is heard on Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio.